0: Hey folks, I'm Nick Delisandro, and this is Wait Five Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. I'll be honest with you, this episode wasn't on the schedule. I had a totally different story I wanted to tell you today, but I pushed it back a week because I can't, in good conscience, make a podcast about Florida and not talk about what's going on in our state right now. Whether you live in Florida or not, by now you have likely heard of the bill passing through the Florida state legislature that has been dubbed. The Don't Say Gay Bill. That is not actually the name of the bill. Its true name is the Parental Rights in Education Bill, a complicated title for many reasons. It was given the name as we know it, Don't Say Gay, because of the explicitly stated content of the bill. This bill has been met with loads of criticism. Critics call it homophobic, baseless, and dangerous to the children of Florida. As someone who has written about Florida's history of anti-gay behavior from activists and politicians, I felt it was important for us to look at this bill's place in history, and all of the ways that it echoes some of Florida's darkest chapters from the last century. I want to warn you now that this episode has brief discussion of suicide and sexual assault. Alright, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the bill itself. There's a lot of complicated wordage in this bill and a lot of dialogue around it that I want to clarify before we go forward. Time magazine reports that the bill, quote, bans public school districts from teaching about sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade, end quote. Time goes on to quote the bill directly, saying that the discussion about sexuality and gender cannot be, quote, in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students, end quote. That ambiguity in that wordage is important, with critics saying that age-appropriate as a term could extend to higher grades beyond third grade, such as middle school or high school. Another complaint, and one that we're going to talk about a lot today, is that there is no part of the state curriculum that does teach about sexual orientation or gender identity from the ages of kindergarten to third grade. There is nothing in the state curriculum for those grades, kindergarten through third grade, that teaches anything about sexual orientation or gender identity. So nothing in the curriculum will need to be changed with the passage of this bill. This bill is banning something that is not currently a part of public school education in Florida. There is an article written by Kirby Wilson of the Tampa Bay Times and Anna Ceballos of the Miami Herald written out of the shared bureau in Tallahassee. Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill passed headed to DeSantis amid student protests. Sabios and Wilson said the following, quote, Republican lawmakers say critics are mischaracterizing what the bill would do. They say student-led discussions in the classroom that touch on sexual orientation or gender identity are allowed, end quote. So discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity are allowed if, as the journalists suggest, a child had parents in the LGBTQ community teaching of gender or sexuality, things that I will repeat are not currently a part of the public curriculum in any way, would be prevented from being taught in class. Again, a bill that is banning something that does not exist. The article from Ceballos and Wilson goes on to say, quote, the bill would require schools to notify parents about changes to a student's services or monitoring of a student's mental, emotional, or physical well-being. Some in the LGBTQ community worry schools might be required to out gay or transgender kids to parents based on the information sharing provision, end quote. That is a very problematic situation for kids, one that would be at terrible risk of their mental health, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Another terrible risk to their mental health is something that is occurring in Texas right now. All of this in Florida is happening at the same time as Governor Greg Abbott of Texas has put out an explicitly anti-trans bill that is targeting children and their families. A directive from Governor Abbott to the Department of Family and Protective Services says that minors who are seeking gender-affirming treatment under their parents' approval are actually being subjected to child abuse. From Boston University, quote, the latter calls for DFPS to investigate parents who help their children access such treatments as well as licensed facilities that administer them, end quote. Ceballos and Wilson write about the Texas Directive as well in their article saying, quote, that move has been roundly denounced by medical and psychiatric experts from that state who say gender-affirming care is health care, end quote. Some have expressed concerns that such draconic directives, like the ones in Texas, may come to Florida as well, following the passage of such bills as the Don't Say Gay bill and the bill that was passed last year concerning transgender students in sports. We'll talk about that bill another time. The concern with the Don't Say Gay bill for many legislators is the vagueness of it. How do we define the word teaching? If a class discussion results in discussion of anything related to homosexuality, would that teacher be violating the bill's mandates? Here's a quote from the Associated Press, quote, Democrats have often said the bill's language, particularly the phrases classroom instruction and age appropriate, could be interpreted broadly enough that discussion in any grade could trigger lawsuits from parents and therefore could create a classroom atmosphere where teachers would avoid the subjects, end quote. And on top of that, by specifically isolating homosexuality, not heterosexuality, but specifically homosexuality, by treating it as something that is taboo or inappropriate for children, by treating heterosexuality like that is the norm and a totally appropriate thing for children to be aware of and taught and discussed in classrooms, but homosexuality is something that is not, the state government is not only isolating any LGBTQ person in the state, but they are also potentially putting at risk the mental or physical health of a child. The Trevor Project is a non-profit dedicated to preventing suicide in the LGBTQ community. They put out a statement on the Don't Say Gay bill that I will include in the description of this episode. It is very informative. A few quotes stand out, quote, 42% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year, including more than half of transgender and non-binary youth, end quote. One poll the Trevor Project conducted says, quote, 85% of transgender and non-binary youth and two-thirds of all LGBTQ youth, 66%, say recent debates about state laws restricting the rights of transgender people have negatively impacted their mental health, end quote. They also say that their research shows, quote, that LGBTQ youth who learned about LGBTQ issues or people in classes at school had 23% lower odds of reporting a suicide attempt in the past year, end quote. So. To recap, before we go forward, this bill has been passed by both the Florida House of Representatives and the Florida State Senate. That means that the only person who needs to approve it now is Governor Ron DeSantis. This bill is to prevent the teaching of subjects concerning sexual orientation and gender identity that are not currently in the state Curriculum. And there is statistical evidence that shows that bills like this add to an already disturbingly high rate of suicide in young people, especially LGBTQ youths who identify as transgender or non binary. But it is important to note here something that I cannot quite shake the reason that I felt compelled to make this episode. Florida has been here before. We've talked about it twice on the show on several different episodes, but I feel it's important right now to come back to these chapters of Florida history, ones that have a startling resemblance to the rhetoric surrounding the Don't Say Gay Bill right now. First, we have to go back to the years after the Second World War and talk about a state legislator named Charlie Johns. We talked about Charlie Johns at the end of 2020, but it is important to revisit him again in the context of the Don't Say Gay Bill, that Bill's language and intent are startlingly similar to the rhetoric spoken by Charlie Johns back in the mid-20th century. He was the governor of Florida for two years, but spent most of his political career in the Florida State Senate as a conservative Democrat. Remember here that the parties of Democrats and Republicans switched platforms in the mid-20th century because of segregation. Before that time, conservative values were held by the Democratic Party, and Charlie Johns was a conservative. Born in Stark, Florida, Johns was a member of the infamous Pork Chop Gang, a group of conservative legislators in the state of Florida that used their collective power to retain their seats in the state legislature and keep policies in place that suited their interests, most notably segregation, which they supported and fought for long after segregation was legally ended in 1964. The Pork Choppers had massive sway in the state of Florida for a long, long time. In the U.S. Senate in the 1950s, a senator named Joseph McCarthy was perpetuating the ideas of the Red Scare, saying that there were secret communists in the United States government that were threatening the lives of Americans and their, quote-unquote, freedoms. He had essentially no evidence against the people he accused of being communists, accusations that spread from the government into entertainment and other industries. It was a show of power and fear-mongering in the years after the Second World War that still has ripple effects to this day. An outright fear of communism just as a concept from American politicians has never truly disappeared from our conversations. Listen to the news, read Twitter, people are still afraid of communism just as a concept. In reality, McCarthy was using his pulpits to attack political enemies, progressives and those who supported integration. Charlie Johns, down in Florida, was emboldened by McCarthyism. He saw the value in what Joseph McCarthy was doing and decided to bring about his own version of the McCarthy trials. That became known as the Johns Committee. Officially, it was called the Florida Legislative Investigation Committee, but everybody just called it the Johns Committee, because Charlie Johns ran it. It went from 1956 to 1965, organizing political power against those that Charlie Johns considered to be enemies of Florida's prosperity, security, and freedom. Their enemy, when they were formed was communism, or at least that's what they said. In reality, they targeted the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, as well as universities and colleges in the state of Florida, saying that both were harboring communists or communist ideologies. In reality, their attack against the NAACP was about combating segregation, which the NAACP spent most of that decade bringing to an end. The University of Florida writes about this era on one of their websites, saying that, After the Johns Committee failed to fight the NAACP and find communism in higher education, they chose a new target. Charlie Johns didn't want his committee to end, so he chose a target that could gain more traction. Homosexuals. The University of Florida says, quote, The University of Florida was the first academic target chosen in the search for homosexuals in 1958. End quote. 1958. That is over 60 years ago. 64 years ago. To be exact the last time i wrote about this story back in december of 2020 i spoke with a professor a man named brian Faler. brian has a phd and is a professor at texas woman's university where he teaches classes on rhetoric rhetoric is literally the study of language and how it is used he wrote about the john's committee and their tactics I asked his permission to use snippets of our previous conversation about this era, and he approved. So here is some of that chat with Brian Failer for some context about Charlie Johns.
1: It was a reflection, really, of what was going on in the whole country. So we were having the the McCarthyism of the Red Scare. Uh, McCarthy tried his best to, to gain as much support in the kind of anti-communist movement as he could. But he quickly found that there just weren't that many communists in the government. So his, his initiative was running low on victims in about the first, well, I think, the first month. After those McCarthy hearings began over he received over twenty five thousand letters, about two thirds of those letters were citizens concerned with something else he had brought up, not the communists, but the gay infiltration of the federal government, as he called it and um, in his in his estimation, the special danger as he saw it for gays and lesbians in government was that they were particularly vulnerable to blackmail, not just because they had secrets to hide, as he saw it, but that was a big part of it, but also um, in his definition that he wrote out, a, a moral sort of failing, lack of a moral center, lack of a moral fiber. So the next victims that he decided to target were gays and lesbians in the federal government. And this mirrored exactly what was going on in Florida at the time, in fact, when Charlie Johns was first, you know, serving as interim governor for a couple of years, some administrators at Florida State University, in fact, it was Florida State at that point, brought to his attention what they felt was a kind of a homosexual ring among faculty that that, that they thought were sort of recruiting students.
0: Keep in mind what Brian Fahler just said, what he is talking about right there. I want to read you some quotes. This is a quote from a Republican Florida state senator named Danny Burgess of Pasco County. This was concerning the debates around the Don't Say Gay bill just a few days ago. He said, quote, There is a reality and there is an effort to inject these types of discussions into younger and younger age groups, end quote. This is a quote from Florida State Senate Democratic leader Lauren Book of Broward County from just a few days ago. She says, quote, Florida's educators are not indoctrinating young children with age inappropriate or developmentally inappropriate curriculum. They're not secretly pushing the gay agenda, the trans agenda, the woke agenda. It's just not happening. End quote. Alright, back to Brian Failer. He was talking about Charlie Johns because, as I mentioned, Charlie Johns couldn't find any communism in the institutions he was combating, so he turned his attention to homosexuality, and all of it, according to Brian, was for political reasons.
1: They were looking for sort of scapegoats that they could uh, rally the masses around a sort of scare tactic that would bring Voters to the polls and also give them lots of attention and really the most vulnerable group that both McCarthy found and the pork choppers and John found uh, were gays and lesbians, especially those uh, employed by Florida in the universities and in the schools, because, of course, the legislature had some direct control over those uh, over those people and that employment. Their methods were. From the start, as the Florida Legislative Investigative Committee took shape, and, uh, you know, the the Johns Committee, as it's called popularly, um, their methods were really, you know, non-constitutional, frankly. Uh, They would typically use the power of the investigative subpoena, which they did have that power, to question just about anybody they wanted. And often would question people late at night, often would take people to hotel rooms, you know, in what they thought of as scary neighborhoods to question people at night, would threaten to phone employers, would threaten to phone spouses if they they were married, threaten really to ruin the livelihoods and really the lives of people. Professors in the universities, students in the universities would often be marched right out of class in front of everybody by an armed officer taken to some place to be questioned, often questioned for long periods of time, sometimes even under a polygraph. So as you can imagine, it inspired real fear, real terror. One fairly well-known professor at University of Florida. Sigismund Dietrich uh, attempted suicide after being questioned. Thank goodness that, that attempt wasn't successful, but he was dismissed from his job, as were most of the others who were the focus of this investigation, even without real evidence of any kind. Almost, almost all the evidence was really of a hearsay nature. Courts later that looked at a few of these cases would usually throw them out, but people were frankly too afraid the investigators had too much power. They had the right to look into clinical records. They had the right to look in psychiatric records. So they they used all these rights and abused all these rights and threatened to expose people. Many of the targets were, in fact, gay and lesbian and closeted. They couldn't be public employees and be gay or lesbian. That was the law of the land. So just by being threatened with exposure, just by being um, charged with these crimes, really without much evidence, most of the people targeted would just not put up a fight, would resign for fear of not finding any kind of job down the line or fear of finding, you know, their families breaking up, that kind of thing, just losing their livelihood, losing friends, family, all of that kind of thing. So the committee intentionally used this power and these scare tactics really just to boost their own reputation and to maintain funding from year to year.
0: Quote-unquote same-sex sexual activity was technically illegal in the state of Florida until 2003. I was seven years old. Even though it was largely unenforced, the laws related to the criminalization of homosexuality in Florida existed until 2003, that is 19 years ago. The president was George Bush. It was not that long ago. We'll talk about that another day, but the first state to decriminalize homosexuality was Illinois back in July of 1961, around the same time as the Johns Committee.
1: They hired students as informants, they planted some people in, in the university communities uh, that would try to g- gain the trust, of, especially of students, so students would, would start talking, would host parties and houses off campus that students would attend to try to get sort of news from students, information from students, gossip from students, and then use that to target other students and faculty. So it was a lot of entrapment, a lot of illegal stings, a lot of scare tactics, and hardly ever with any kind of subpoena or warrant, they knew that this that this group uh, was so vulnerable that uh, they would, in, in most cases, not file complaints, not file um, court actions at all because they were entirely powerless and so you know the pork choppers john's especially knew that and and uh, that's what they built their entire committee on a lot of hearsay a lot of scare tactics a lot of entrapment
0: this era was called the lavender scare and affected more states than just florida the end of Charlie John's campaign against the gay community came at his own hands. His committee put out a document colloquially called the Purple Pamphlet, filled with fairly explicit information and images about homosexuality intending to scare the viewers or to upset them. One section of the pamphlet implies that gay men are akin to child molesters, but the document implies that gay men are in fact more dangerous than child molesters. The document says, quote, the homosexual, on the other hand, prefers to reach out for the child at the time of normal sexual awakening and to conduct a psychological preliminary to the physical contact, end quote. Another part of the purple pamphlet says that homosexuals have organized to recruit children into being gay. An unnamed man and an unnamed investigator in the pamphlet says, quote, The homosexuals are organized. The person whose responsibility it is to protect the public and especially our kids are not organized in the direction of combating homosexual recruitment of youth. We must do everything in our power to create one thing in the mind of every homosexual and that is keep your hands off our children. End quote. Remember those words. Recruitment, keep your hands off our children. Remember those. A bill was even filed by the Johns Committee in the 1960s called the Homosexual Practices Control Act that intended to put in place several anti-gay laws, including, quote, that all teachers found to be gay be fired from the public schools and their teaching certifications revoked, end quote, amongst other anti-gay laws. The act was never passed. The purple pamphlet did not have the effect that the Johns Committee was intending, It was, in fact, mocked and scrutinized, and Charlie Johns left the state senate in 1966. But the problems did not go away. Jump forward a decade and travel down to Miami. It's 1977, and a singer named Anita Bryant has taken up a crusade against the gay residents of that city. We talked about Anita Bryant in 2019. She was a runner-up to Miss America in 1959, made her name as a singer, and did several commercials with a cartoon bird named Orange Bird. They were intended to sell Florida oranges and orange juice. It was a huge campaign, and, and we talked about it a couple years ago. It's still a fascinating story. She was a known name at this time in, in the late 70s, a figure of Florida culture. So when she spoke up, people listened. This is from the Sun Sentinel. quote: In January of 1977, Dade commissioners amended an anti-discrimination ordinance to include gays end quote, "This meant that hiring practices by the city of Miami could not discriminate in hiring a person if they were gay. Anita Bryant was devoutly against. This movement. Anita Bryant gathered support from members of local churches and from the Florida Conservative Union, spouting her beliefs on why the anti-discrimination movement was wrong. She gathered signatures and ballots to have the ordinance rejected. She did so by telling folks that gay people were attempting to convert children to homosexuality. Here's a quote that she said: quote, homosexuals cannot reproduce, so they must recruit. End quote. The anti-discrimination bill didn't go forward. You could still discriminate against someone if you're hiring for the city of Miami if they were gay, due to Anita Bryant's efforts. It would take another 20 years for Miami-Dade to pass anti-discrimination ordinances in the city. That came about in 1998. Here are direct quotes from Anita Bryant in 1977. She was interviewed by a journalist named Barbara Hower. The other voice you'll hear is Barbara, but here is Anita Bryant in 1977 on this exact subject.
2: and allow them to be taught of homosexuals, and uh, we feel as strongly. Now, so this county ordinance is asking us, in essence, to go against the law of Florida and to go against even more important, what we believe is above the law of the land, God's law, whether you believe in it or not. Why should our civil rights be taken away from us? Where is your human sense of decency and fairness to people who are different than you? As long as they do their job and do not want to come out of the closet and force their homosexuality uh on being in the areas of, of business or in the schools, they can they can live their life and I'm, we're not going out after their jobs and trying to get them out of their teaching jobs or how they need to suppose
0: one of children came. The video that I pulled this audio from is edited clips from said interview. You can go watch the entire video, but here's another snippet, one that you really need to
2: hear. Just biologically the God made mothers so that we could reproduce homosexual By recruiting our
0: children. What Anita Bryant did not intend in her crusade was that it would embolden gay rights advocates nationwide. A nationwide orange juice and orange boycott was made to mock Anita Bryant. Her contract with the Florida Citrus Commission was ended as a result of her actions in Miami. It also gave fuel to Harvey Milk, a charismatic gay rights advocate, the first publicly elected gay person in the United States who served on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. He spoke up about Anita Bryant and her campaign, Supporting the Orange Boycott and other gay rights protests as a result of Anita's work. And of course, if you know anything about Harvey Milk, if you've even seen a clip from the movie about his life, if you know who he is at all, you know that he began all of his rallies in support of gay rights the same way. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Recruit. There's that word again. It's a mindful parody harvey milk knows exactly what he's doing he was extraordinarily smart he was using that word as a direct mockery of those who were using that word to represent their beliefs decades passed after the events of anita bryant's campaign and her reputation never recovered it's been almost 50 years since anita bryant 1977. And there have certainly been more accounts of state-supported and federally mandated homophobia and homophobic acts over those nearly 50 years. But I I wanted to touch on these two, but I assure you there are more. I wanted to present to you these two vignettes of Florida history because we've talked about them before and because their rhetoric has stark parallels to the rhetoric that is being used right now. The idea of homosexual indoctrination to children, the idea of recruitment into homosexuality has been around in America and specifically in the state of Florida for at least 70 years. If not earlier, the parallels in the language used by Charlie Johns and Anita Bryant are apparent, blatant, and obvious. Here is Governor Ron DeSantis. This comes from WPTV News from just a few days ago
2: this wasn't like my legislation like I have certain big priorities that we did this is something the legislature felt strong about so I start getting asked about this by the by the media um, and and I'm just thinking to myself like okay they're getting spun up I see the le- I see you know you know how this works right and I was like there is no way it's true and I didn't even look at the bill yet I just knew it wasn't true and so you actually look at the bill and it says no sexual instruction in grades pre K through three. And so how many parents want their kindergartners to have transgenderism or something injected into classroom instruction? And so I think those are very young kids. Um, I think uh, the legislature is basically trying to give parents assurance that, you know, they're going to be able to go and this stuff's not going to be there, but there's nothing in the bill that says anything about you can't say or this say. It's basically saying for our youngest students, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six years and seven, do you really want them to be being taught about sex, and this is any sexual stuff, but I think clearly right now we see a lot of focus on the transgenderism, telling kids that they may be able to pick genders and all that. I don't think parents want that. Um, for these young kids and so I think that's what they were trying to do now and and I and I think that's justifiable I think it's inappropriate to be injecting those matters like a Transgenderism into a kindergarten classroom.
0: The video cuts off there I'll remind you that there is no part of the current state public education that includes any instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity for grades kindergarten through third grade none whatsoever the bill is banning something that is not being taught. On Friday, March 4th, Christina Pushaw, the press secretary for Governor Ron DeSantis, tweeted the following. I am reading from an article published on WTSP News that recounts the tweets. Her tweets say, quote, the bill that liberals inaccurately call don't say gay would be more accurately described as an anti-grooming bill, end quote. That word Grooming is defined by Rain, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, as, quote, manipulative behaviors that the abuser uses to gain access to a potential victim, coerce them to agree to the abuse, and reduce the risk of being caught, end quote. That is what grooming is. Christina Pushaw, Ron DeSantis' press secretary, said that the Don't Say Gay bill would, quote, be more accurately described as an anti-grooming bill. End quote. She put out a second tweet that said, quote, If you're against the anti grooming bill, you are probably a groomer, or at least you don't denounce the grooming of four to eight year old children. Silence is complicity. This is how it works, Democrats, and I didn't make the rules. End quote. She later recanted part of that last statement. I'm gathering this quote from the Florida Phoenix. She said, Quote, talking about adult topics with young children is a tactic of groomers, and as I said, not everyone who opposes the bill is a groomer, but they apparently don't see a problem with adults instructing very young children about sexual topics. End quote. Again, I would like to repeat for the last time, there is currently no part of Florida's public curriculum for kindergarten through third grade that has any instruction at all regarding sexual orientation or or gender identity. The tweets made by Christina Pashaw remain on Twitter. She has also stated that the opinions expressed are her own and not made by Governor Ron DeSantis. Before and after the passage of the Don't Say Gay Bill through the state Senate, students have been protesting across the state, both at their schools and at the state capitol. Walkouts have occurred at public schools in Florida, including in my hometown of Orlando. Civil rights organizations say that actions taken on behalf of the bill may draw lawsuits due to the unconstitutional nature of the law and its threats to teachers and public schools and children and families. On March 9th, a similar bill to the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida's legislature was introduced in Georgia's state legislature, which also takes aim at the much-discussed concept of, quote-unquote, Critical race theory, which is something we're going to have to talk about another time, but is also an all-too-familiar conversation in the history of the American South. The Don't Say Gay bill passed through the Florida State House of Representatives in late February and passed through the State Senate last week. In the State Senate, the vote was 22 in favor, 17 against. 22 Republicans voted in favor, 15 Democrats and 2 Republicans voted against. Now the bill goes to the governor's desk where, if he signs as he is expected to, the bill will go into effect this July and would see its ramifications by August when the new school year begins in the fall. I only want to say this. It's a, an oft-repeated truism that history repeats itself. And that statement is true in many ways. History does repeat itself. But in all the years I've written this show, in all the conversations i've had with historians and authors and those who have lived with historic events in all of the historical texts i have read i find that that truism that history repeats itself doesn't fully grasp the concept of of what is really going on saying that history repeats itself implies that there is a cycle that an era of history ends and a new era of history begins and then the history repeats within those sections of history it's it's not accurate I find it's more accurate to say that history doesn't end, history just keeps going. And Florida's history of state-mandated, anti-gay legislation, fear-mongering, and rhetoric is not, in fact, past tense. Thank you for listening to this episode. It means a lot to me that people listen to this show and it means a lot that I can reach out to you and tell these stories because they matter to me and they matter to people that I love very much. And I know that they matter to people that you love and people in your communities. I'd like to thank Brian Failer for his permission to reuse our interview in this episode. He was a wonderful resource back then and is still now. I've included a link to his article about the purple pamphlet. You should give it a read because it goes even more in depth on the text of the purple pamphlet. I've included links to the audio used in this episode, both from Anita Bryant and Ron DeSantis, as well as links to all of the articles cited from the Tampa Bay Times to the Associated Press to Time Magazine. Go ahead and read all of those articles because everyone is doing some incredibly important journalism about this topic right now, and I cannot recommend the work that is being done in the state of Florida to cover this topic enough. Go read your local paper. They have important things to say. If you are able and so inclined, I would highly recommend that you donate to The Trevor Project on their website, thetrevorproject.org. The link to that website is at the top of the description of this episode. I will be back next Monday for a new episode. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. But until then, be good to yourself, be good to others, and drink more water. But, But most importantly this time, be good to others. See you next week.